I'm so thankful for how God is moving and working in our midst. Amen? And it is a blessing, and uh, I don't want to take for granted. I don't want to take for granted how God is choosing to work in our midst, is working in my life, in our life as a church family, bringing people to us uh, in, in amazing ways so that we can uh, walk with them and they can be a part of our faith family here. I'm so thankful. I, I don't want that to be lost on us. Because if you're like me, I've been in churches where that didn't happen. I've been in churches where there were months, years, decades, no baptisms, no life change. God didn't seem to be moving. God didn't seem to be working. And I hear that every day in our Southern Baptist Convention churches and churches across the land that uh, religion, Christianity in, in our nation is, is decreasing and God seems to be silent and I don't want that. I want to be a part of a movement of the Lord God moving in our midst, changing our lives, uh, showing us who He is, showing us what He wants to do, making us more and more and more like Him and less and less and less like ourselves and the world that we are surrounded by. I want to see, and I want to continue to see, God moving and working like He has these past few months. And I pray that you do as well. Because if we look through history and we even look in our own day, we realize that is not necessarily the, the norm. Even with God's people, there are times when it appears or it seems that if God, as if God is silent, not speaking, not working, and not moving. That's what we see as we continue to look in the book of Judges, as we see his people drift further and further and further away from him. It seems like he is less and less, less inclined to speak to their situation, to speak to their hearts. And it's very easy for us to look at this scripture and think, I can, that can never be me, that can never be us. It's much easier to look at ourselves in a mirror to place this Word of God in front of our own faces and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me today? What do you want me to understand? What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to know? And I pray that today, God would speak to you individually. He would speak to you specifically. That you wouldn't just come to another church service, sit in another pew, give another tithe, give another prayer, Participate. Thank you for being here. But not just sit and participate and consume, but that you would ask God in this moment, Lord, speak to me. Lord, work in my life. Lord, show me what I need to see so that I can be fully what you want me to be. And that is my prayer for my own heart and for my own life, but that is the prayer that I have for you as well. And so we have been holding this Bible, this book of Judges up as a mirror for ourselves to say what needs to change in us, what needs to be done in our own hearts. And we've been asking questions. And so I want to draw out a question today that I think will help us 
understand what's happening in this passage, but will help us to understand how this passage can speak to us and help us to see things in our own hearts, in our own lives. The question is this, what happens when God no longer speaks? What happens when God no longer speaks? If you're like me, if you had times where it seemed as if God was speaking to me audibly, and there were other times where I wondered where he was. I've had mountaintop experiences in the presence of God, and I've had deep, low valleys where I wondered if he even cared. Oftentimes I wondered where he was, and it's likely because I hadn't been looking for him and in that moment just expected him to show up and answer me when I decided to call on him. And that's not necessarily how God works. But he didn't always do that. And so I would wonder, is there something defective in God? Is there something, is there another reason? And, and, and so oftentimes we attribute our dry spells in our religious life. Well, God must be somewhere. God must have done things. But what we must understand and realize is that the deficiency is not with God. The deficiency is with me. The thing that needs changing is not God. God is the same yesterday, today, forever. The Bible says that he is here, omnipresent with us in every moment. He has not left. Something's changed in my heart. And I want you to consider some words from a theologian, A.W. Tozer. He notes that there's a yearning in us to be nearer to God. But we're not praying for God to come down from some place to us. God is already here. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What has, God, uh, what has changed in us is what we need to be praying for then. Uh, if we want to be nearer to God, and as Tozer says, we need a manifestation of the presence of God. Tozer notes that we don't have, to, we don't have this manifestation of God because we, this is, his, this is his words, these are his quotes, we allow unlikeness in our lives. We allow moral dissimilarity in our hearts being dissimilar from God. He continues, that sense of absence of God is the result of the remaining unlikeness within us. The yearning to be near God is really a yearning to be like Him. You see, what we need is to be less like ourselves more like God, to know his presence more fully, to know him to be nearer in our hearts. We've changed, and so we need to be changed again. In this story from the book of Judges, God is silent. In fact, throughout the whole discourse, God never utters one word. He never speaks. Why? What's wrong with God? Why would he do that? That's not what we've heard about God. God is always there. God is always listening. God is always nearby, right? <clears throat> the fact of the matter is they had forgotten him. They didn't care. 
<clears throat> excuse me, they were worshiping other gods. They didn't know him, nor did they want him, nor did they want to know him. They only wanted him to act on their behalf. How do I know this? Because story after story we've read already, we see things like they turned away from God and turned to other gods. We see phrases that say they prostituted themselves with other gods. They covenanted themselves with other gods. They gave their whole selves to the other gods and turned away from the God and the only true God and the only God that cared. Again and again and again, <clears throat> we see even in Gideon's story that as at the end of his life, it says he, after he died, they forgot who he was. They forgot who God was. So what do they expect? For God to just show up and say, here I am. You've done wrong. You're, you've gone for me. You don't care anything about me, but... Now that you need me, here I am. He had done that time and time again. It didn't matter then, did it matter now? I love Anthony's story. And something we couldn't get in the video that he said was just deeply profound is that he said, at one point I held God in the pocket. I was close to him. He's close to me. And then things kind of went down my, in my life and I put him in the back seat. I hope it's okay that I share this since you said it in the video. I put him in the back seat of my life, going 100 miles down, 100 miles an hour on the highway. And eventually I just said, you know what? I threw him out the window and said, buddy, I'll catch up with you later. But it was that moment in the hospital room when he cried out to God and said, thy will be done. That he said, uh, in, in one, of the, one of the videos that we recorded, it said it was like he knocked off the hinges of the door to knock it down and come in. And the thing that we noted and the thing that Anthony noted in that is that God never left. It was Anthony that had changed. God was there all along, ready and waiting for that moment for him to acknowledge his need for him. And that's where we've got to get. Let's read this story and learn what God, uh, what to do when God no longer, where it feels like God is no longer speaking in our own life. Turn in, in your Bibles to Judges chapter 11. We're going to read 1 through 10. <clears throat> you'll, you'll recall from last week as Jason shared they're about to face the Ammonites, and no one is there to be the leader. And then chapter 11 begins this way. Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a valiant warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute, and Gilead was his father. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when they grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You will have no inheritance in our father's family because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And then some worthless men joined Jephthah and went on raids with him. Sometime later, the Ammonites fought against Israel. When the Ammonites made war with Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. They said to him, Come, be our commander, and let's fight the Ammonites. 
Jephthah replied to the elders of Gilead, Don't you hate me, and didn't you drive me out of my father's family? Why then have you come to me now when you're in trouble? But they answered Jephthah, That's the true, but now we turn to you. Come with us, fight the Ammonites, and you'll become a leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to them, If you are bringing me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me, I will be your leader. The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord is our witness if we don't do as you say. What we see is that when God no longer speaks, when we, have, we don't hear from God, when we don't know what his plan is and his ideals are, and he's not speaking into our hearts, when God no longer speaks, we begin to find our own solutions. You see, these people, they were in, in a... A rock in a hard place. They were, they were in this place of, we're, we're about to get pummeled by the Ammonites. We've called out to God. He hasn't answered, and so we've got to do something. And so what did they do? They didn't try to find the most godly person. They didn't try to find a prophet of God. They didn't try to find someone that was a judge like uh, perhaps Deborah or Barak or some of those that we've read about or even, even uh, Gideon. They didn't go and try to find someone like that. They went and found a man that they thought was so, his, uh, his life was so irreparable, his life was so tarnished and terrible, they had previously kicked him out of their clan because of the way he was born, uh, uh, that he was uh, you know, in a situation that they didn't like. And so they took him out of the equation only to come back later and say, we need you. They, find, they try to accomplish what had been done in previous times by bring in their own way and using their own logic and using their own ideas and using someone you would never imagine or never think about being the one to rescue not only was he born out of a terrible situation that, no, that everyone counted him out, he also did horrible things to horrible people. Notice that it says, after he left, he went to this land of Tob. Some worthless people joined him and went on raids with him. So they, they went and stole people's stuff and, stuff and, and raided neighborhoods and, and lived a life of crime and destitution. But the people of Israel were in trouble and unlike previous generations where they cried out to God, they, when they didn't know who would lead them, they used their own wisdom to select this man. Defying logic, defying how God has operated in the past, defying anything that you would imagine. And we, it would be easy for us to look and say, that seems silly, why would you do that? But if we use the Bible as a mirror and look in our own lives, we do the same thing when we... When it feels like God is silent in our lives or we, we haven't heard from him in a while or we haven't prayed to him in a while or we haven't cried out to him in a while. We, we start to do things in our own strength. We start to do things and find our own solutions to the things in our lives. In, in, in many ways, in this uh, discourse between Jephthah and the Gileadites, he, he takes on this idea of he is God or he is like a God. We do this. We take matters into our own hands rather to depend on Jesus more. We develop our own solutions. And, and then sometimes we blame God when our ways went wrong. 
And all along, God is saying, you got yourself into this mess. You did this. This is your own consequence, your own difficulty. Can't you see how we do that in our own lives, that we, we just go along, we truck along, we try to come up with our own solutions, our own ideals, our own ways, and live in that way, and then all of a sudden, when it all goes haywire, we try to blame God and say, God, you should have rescued me. You should have brought me out of this. You should have done something. When we're the ones who've changed, we're the ones who've departed. God is the same yesterday, today, forever. He was there. But they didn't care. They didn't even know him. They didn't even remember him. The second thing we see is that when God no longer speaks, we find our own solutions. But we also exalt ourselves to too high a level. Remember I said Jephthah in many ways responded to the Gileadites like he was a god. Like they were dependent upon him. Like he was some way uh, going to actually rescue them or defend them or be like God. In fact, this section, 11, 4 through 12, or 4 through 11, parallels the one that we looked at last week as Jason preached from 10, where the Ammonites were oppressing, and Israel appeals to God. In this discourse, Gilead appeals to Jephthah instead. God retorts in the, the, the previous Example, Jephthah retorts here. Didn't you, didn't you push me out? Didn't you, and now, and didn't you hate me? Didn't you take me out of your family? And now you want to come back to me? It's very similar. Jephthah is taking on this, this, the, the, the mentality that he is some kind of hero, some kind of person that, uh, that is on level with God. In the previous discourse, we see Israel appeals to God. In this discourse, we see that Gilead again appeals to Jephthah again. And we see in the previous discourse, God rejects helping them. And then this one, we see a difference in that Jephthah seizes the opportunity. He seizes the moment. He seizes the opportunity to be on the level that he wants to be. To be like a God in a way for these people to deliver them. Once Jephthah seizes the moment, he exalts himself too high. He embraces it. Look what he says in verse 12. Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites asking, What do you have against me that you've come to fight in my land? Whereas other, other discourses would say, What have you... You've come against God. You've tried to fight against God. But he says, why have you come to fight against me? So he, he lifted himself to too high a level. He, he tried to put himself on the same level as God. And we can very easily look and say, why would you do that? But we do that in our own life sometimes. We, we say things like, I can handle this. God's got better things to do. He doesn't need to bother himself with my the menial things of my life. We give ourselves too much credit. We put too much stock in our abilities. We depend too much on ourselves. And we'll do just like Jephthah and say things like, look how great I'm doing. I don't need God in this situation. We exalt ourselves too, too high a level. The third thing that we see is that we try to manipulate God into our own mold. 
Jason talked about how last week was one of the most saddest passages in Scripture. <clears throat> this passage in 29 is sad, but it's frustratingly sad. Because <clears throat> what Jephthah does, and we see verse 20, 29, the Spirit of the Lord came on him. So we never see God audibly speak, but we do see God move. God says, okay, my people need to be rescued. I will come upon this man that they have risen up themselves. I will bless them in this moment. I will give them a way out. I will help them in their trial and their difficulty. And all this shows is just the, the constant mercy and grace and love of God for his people. He could have continued to leave them to their own devices, but God is merciful. God is great. Even when they didn't deserve it, he still showed up for them. But Jephthah made a vow to God in this moment. Look at what he does in verse 30. Jephthah made this vow to the Lord. If you, in fact, hand over the Ammonites to me, whoever comes out of the doors of my house to greet me when I return safely from the Ammonites will belong to the Lord, and I will offer that person as a burnt offering. You see what happens when God no longer speaks, we try to manipulate God into the mold we think he ought to fit in. And see what had happened and what, what Jephthah had been doing and the people of Gilead had been doing, his, his own people had been doing as they had been worshiping the gods, not only of the, the Ammonites, not only of the the Midianites, not only of the, the Canaanites, all these Canaanite people and these subgroups of them, not only had they been doing that, but they added in the Philistines and the others. And guess what? These gods of these uh, people demanded human sacrifice. And so Jephthah tried to put on our God something that was hideous, terrible, awful, that other gods and other religions required. He tried to squeeze God into the mold that he had seen for his whole life. Not only does he do that, but we see later in the story that when he goes home, when he has indeed conquered the Ammonites. I don't know who in the world he thought would come out of the doors of his house, but it ended up being his daughter, his only daughter. And because Jephthah was so far from the true God, because he was so far from this God, and he didn't know who this God was and what this God required and what this God wanted, that he went through with it all when he could have very easily had an out. There was a provision in the Mosaic law and had Jephthah understood that and known that, he would have been able to go and present himself to a priest and undo the vow he had made before God, but he didn't know God. He didn't know how God operated. He didn't care. He tried to squeeze him into the mold he wanted him to be, and it, lead, it, it led him to destruction.
He wasn't even worried about his daughter, though. As soon as she comes out, he drops to his knees and he says, uh, he says that she has devastated him. No, not my daughter. You've devastated me. You've brought great misery on me. I've given my word to the Lord and I can't take it back. He was more worried about himself than what he's going to have to do. He's more worried that his own progeny would not carry on. His own line would not carry on because she was his only child. Don't we know that it's dangerous to try and shove God into what we think he should be? Yet every day in our culture, it is done every day. I can never worship a God that does that. I don't understand how you could love a God that does this or that. And we try to put on God human understanding. We try to place on God what the world tells us God ought to be like when rather we should be, uh, in, we should know God, we should know his word, we should trust him and love him and know him in such a way that we look for who he actually is rather than what everyone else says or what we even think he should be. We must resist and ensure that God's ways are pushed forward and not the culture's desires or our own desires. The fourth thing that we see is that when God no longer speaks, we harm people we should care for. All of chapter, uh, chapter 12, 1 through 7, is how all this took place. Um, Jephthah is, is lifted to a level of leadership as the Gileadites said he would be. And then people of, of Israel, the Ephraimites, another clan of Israel came in and they should care for one another. They're the same people group. They're Israelites, but they fought. Not only did he harm his own daughter, but he harmed his own people. When God no longer speaks, we no longer care about the things he cares for or the people he cares for. We take matters into our own hands and our ways lead to destruction. I'm out of time, so let me go through verse, uh, the fifth thing very quickly. And here's the hope. It's a terrible story. I told you two weeks ago, it only gets weirder, and it does. Judges is odd. The last thing that we see is that we must become less like everything else in our life and more like God, more like Him. Tozer continues to say, God is like Christ, for Christ is God, manifest to mankind. By looking at our Lord Jesus, we will know what God is like and we'll know what we have to be like to experience the unbroken and continuous presence of God. You want to know how you can hear from God? You want to know how God can speak today in your life, in my life? We must become more like Him And to do that, we must look to Christ. We must look to Jesus. 
We must not have him in our rearview mirror. We must have him in front of us at every moment and say, Jesus, help me. Make me more like you. Make me more like Jesus. Make me more like God so that I can be less like myself and so that I can be more like you. You see, the Israelites had drifted away. They were on a different continent. They were on a different planet compared to where God wanted them to be. And you and I, if we do not have Christ in our focus, we will become like everything that surrounds us and less and less and less like Him. And so we must become less like everything else and more like Christ in our lives. It's in Jesus that we find the voice of God today. Do you want to hear God speak to your own heart and life? Do you want to hear God say to you, I love you, I'm here, I'm nearby, then you and I must look to Christ. Where Jephthah wrongly and needlessly vowed to God to give whoever came out of that door as a sacrifice. It was needless. He didn't have to do it. He could have come back against it if he had just known who God was and known his character and known that God abhorred and hated sacrifice of people. But in in the way that Jephthah did that needlessly, gave his only child and sinned against God. God made a way for your sin and my sin to be erased. Jesus himself, God's only son, came and was sacrificed for you so that you could be made clean, so that God could have a right relationship with you, a close relationship with you, that he could speak into your heart and your life. He didn't have to do that. He could have left us to our own devices. But as Philippians 2, 5 and following says that God did not, or that Jesus did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. And he emptied himself and became like you and me and ultimately went to a cross and died on it so that we could know him, so that we could know Christ, so that we could hear his voice, so that he could speak into our hearts and lives, and that we would know the manifest presence of God. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want to know him and I want to hear his voice if that's you today and you'd like to know Christ as Savior you can pray a simple prayer you don't have to repeat it after me in fact I'm not even going to pray a prayer for you to repeat but basically what you need to understand as Romans 10 9 and 10 says is that we must confess and believe confess that Jesus is Lord 
believe that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. He continues to say that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, friends, if you want to know Jesus Christ today as Savior, if watching online in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, you want to know the manifest presence of God through Jesus Christ, today you can know that. Believe and confess. Call on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. But maybe you're here today and just, you know, you think maybe, you know, I do want God to be nearer to me. I do want to know his voice more. I do want to hear more. Sometimes it feels like, you know, many people have said, like, my prayers are hitting the ceiling, right? And just bouncing on back. Then, friends, if that's the case, nothing's changed with God. Something needs to change in me. And I pray that today God would begin that work in you. You can know him. You can experience him. You can know his love. You can know his presence in your life today. And I encourage you to call out to him as we sing this song. I want to pray. The band's going to come. And if God is moving in your heart, follow him however he's leading. Jesus, we love you. Speak to our hearts now, God. Work in our lives. Help us to respond to you. Help us to be made more like you. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.